Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast. We're coming to you on this Monday from Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center, and our podcast is presented by SeatGeek. I'm in the chair today. Daniel Salerson's out. He's your normal Monday host, but uh, we'll make do. And we've got two great guests to kind of get the week set up for us and put a wrap on this past weekend of games for the, not only the New Orleans Saints, but the New Orleans Pelicans, too. John DeShazer, senior writer with NewOrleansSaints.com, is here to wrap up the regular season and now look ahead to the NFL playoffs. And Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com will be in to talk about the big news of the day regarding the starting point guard for the Pelicans and, of course, the end of a homestand tonight. So a lot of ground to cover. Glad you're with us. We'll get right to our conversations here in just a moment. This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. There he is, John DeShazer with the other microphone here in Studio B today. I don't think I remember the last time that you and I were in this same studio together. It's been a while. Man, it it does feel like the band's back together again. It's been a long time now that I think about it. Yes. We were together yesterday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. We've been together in 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 this studio. Yeah, that's been a while. Good to have you back. Yeah, good time. Yes. Uh, Daniel's out today. I know this is an usual Monday visit with him. He's soft. He's soft. That's what you're going to put this in? (laughs) No, he's ill. He He is is excused. Yes, he is excused. Um, But that doesn't excuse you from wrapping up another Saints weekend. A bit of a disappointing one, John, to end the regular season. Uh, But we're we're kind of picking one foot up out of the regular season and firmly planning everything into the postseason now. Yeah, um, they got everything they wanted out of the regular season. 13-3, and you win the division, they got the number one seed. But they didn't finish it off the way they wanted to in terms of, I guess, execution and cleanliness. Uh, in that performance, 33-14 to 14 loss at home uh, to Carolina. But I think it was more the way they played. And it doesn't matter who you put out on the field as a player or a coach. You want to play better than the Saints did yesterday. And that, so, you know, that was the only down part of the whole thing because otherwise, you know, you wanted to stay healthy. I think they did a good job of that, obviously. Um, you wanted to roll in with some momentum. And I don't necessarily know that this takes away from any momentum, if anything, it probably gives the coaches a little bit more incentive to, to coach you harder and, and players have to listen a little bit more than maybe they normally would or they're a little bit more aware of everything because of the way they played yesterday. And, and coaching coaches obviously can say, hey, this is the kind of performance we can't afford to have, especially now that it's one and done. Yeah, the contrast of feeling in the building. I mean, think back, John, to the Pittsburgh game, what was on the line, what was at stake, and then the game yesterday. Even the crowd had a hard time kind of figuring out what their role was, how they should work through yesterday's uh, 16th final game of the season. Yeah, I mean, because you you hate to say the game didn't have a significant meaning, but when everything was already locked up, and as a, as fans, you're saying, okay, you know ahead of time there's not going to be a Drew Brees on the field, and Teddy Bridgewater went out and, I think, you know, represented, him, represented himself well, all things considered. Uh, you knew that the Saints weren't going to go out there and, like, open up their total playbook offensively or defensively because, you know, it's the last game of the season. Again, everything's sewn up. How much do you actually really want to show in that last game? And how much can you show uh, considering the guys that you're putting out on the field? I know Teddy Bridgewater has been in this system for a season, but Drew Brees has been in it since 2006. So if anybody thought Teddy was going to walk out there and be Drew Brees, that was delusional. That was not wise. Um, then you're talking about, you know, mixing and matching along the offensive line. Well, 
Larry Warford is a multiple pro bowler who's been playing for a long time. Cameron Tom and Will Clapp are, you know, first and second year players who have not played a whole lot. So you're probably going to have some issues along the offensive line in terms of protection. So some of those things were, you know, fairly understandable. And yet, if you're the Saints, you wanted to play better. But if you're the fans, you don't, you didn't know which way to turn because, you know, you're saying, okay, am I to expect a win here because they won 13 out of the first 15, and I've gotten kind of accustomed to this. But the fans are also saying, well, you don't have to have this one. So you know, how much am I going to put into it either? I'm just going to go there and have fun and not really be all that invested in whether it's a win or a loss. Yeah. That was the offensive side of the football for sure. Yes. Defensively, you're down three scores at halftime. Sean Payton kind of provided a laundry list of things he didn't like post-game. What was your takeaway? Well, that was the issue because even I – I don't care if you're playing as vanilla as you can possibly be defensively. A lot of those guys were front-line defensive players. And you expected to see them play better than that against an undrafted rookie quarterback. Um, four, four of the six penalties for the Saints yesterday were in the secondary. Uh, a couple of pass interferences and a couple of defensive holes. Um, those are issues that you'd like to say were already done with. Now, granted, you know you expect to have some slips here and there. But, man, you don't want to see 79 penalty yards given up defensively. That's a lot. <laughs> 39 and 30 yard uh, pass interference penalties. Um, that's Eli Apple and that's and that's Ken Crawley, two guys who you expect to play and you expect to play better than that. So those were the things that would concern me, uh, just being sloppy defensively. Because again, you know, now Kyle Allen's in the NFL for a reason. Don't get me wrong, and he was throwing to DJ Moore, a, a really nice player, uh, threw a couple of Curtis Samuel, uh, but. You want to see the Saints play better than that defensively, as they had for the vast majority of this season. But again, you know, you hate to say it, but it's possible that there might have been an exhaling mentally by some of those guys on that defense saying, okay, everything is already taken care of. You hate to, you hate to think that might be the case, but you know, I guess you you consider all factors when you say they, they, that they didn't play well in that first half because they did not play well defensively that first half, and I expected better of them defensively in that yeah. first half. Didn't play well, lost the game 33-14. to 14. You're 13-3 and three on the season. Mike Thomas yesterday sets the single-season franchise record for receiving yards in the season. Yes. Stayed in the game a long time to do it, but got it. 14-05, is that the final number? Yeah, 14-05, yep. We saw Benjamin Watson play in his last regular season game in the NFL. Um we're going to miss him a lot Yes, as a person, as a player, all of it. Yes. Um, so in, in some ways, do we put the, do we put that game in the regular season to bed now? Yeah. I mean, you know, Cam Jordan always talks about the 24 hour rule that they observe. Uh, but really that, that could have been a 24 minute rule. I mean, that's one that you want to really just wad up and throw away immediately as fast as you can. I know you have to go through the film work. You got to look at all the details. Um, Coach Payton was talking this morning saying, you know, there are some things, you know, when you're talking about leverage and, you know, just some basic things, uh, technique that should not have popped up in a wrong way in, in week 17. So, but you, you, so you have to make the corrections, but you want to throw that one away as quickly as possible because you know if you're a New Orleans Saints player and if you're a New Orleans Saints coach, you know that's not really representative of the team you've seen all season. Right. So this is one you say, okay, uh, there was it was week seventeen. Everything was locked up. We have a lemon. There are some things you can learn from it, but certainly 
that's not the team that they know they're capable of being. So you just figure you can get back to hopefully get back to the basics, get back in rhythm, and get back to being who you, who you believe you are. Yeah. Kind of start over in some ways here. You've got the chance to do so, unlike most of these teams left in the postseason. Um, here's what we know. Sunday, January 13th, 3.40 Central Time at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Other than that, we don't know a whole lot more. That's pretty much it. Yes. (laughs) Now, what we do know is this. If the Eagles win their game, the Eagles are coming here. Correct? Yes. Okay. They're playing either the four, five, or six seed here. Um, I guess the Eagles are the six. Yes. Yeah. They would play the highest. Yeah, they they would play play the the lowest lowest remaining seed. seed. Yeah, so if the Eagles win, the Eagles fly here. And um, and the Eagles fly in with a different – the Eagles fly. And they come in possibly – with a different quarterback because um, the first time they came in, it was Cameron Wentz and um, Carson Wentz. And uh, where did I get Cameron I from? I have no idea. Just know, let you I go got with Cam it. on the brain. Yeah. So Carson Wentz came in the first time, uh, and basically the Saints treated him like it was a fast break and ran him out the gym. So now Nick Foles looks to be the quarterback, and, and they're going to have a little, bit of a, a little bit of a decision to make if Wentz is healthy enough which i don't know if he will be because he's got a you know fracture in his back from last i heard but and, and Foles is healthy you know who do you go with do you go with the guy who who is your franchise quarterback Wentz, who was on an mvp pace last season when he went down or do you go with Foles, super bowl mvp who who gave folks fits in the playoffs last year and has been giving folks fits now that he's been back in the lineup the last three four weeks too so that'll be an interesting dilemma for them to have to solve. Yeah. So the Eagles would have to beat the Bears. Yes. If that's the case, the Eagles would come here. Yes. Otherwise, you have two other teams to choose from at this point, yeah. one of which is the Seattle Seahawks, yeah. who have been playing very well, but you get them here at your place. Yeah, Seattle's always an issue because they've got some guys who are still on that roster from their from their Super Bowl win and from that Super Bowl loss, um, primary among them being quarterback Russell Wilson, who is – a handful to deal with, <laughs> a real handful to deal with. So, you know, one way or the other, a good team is going to be coming in. You don't get to the playoffs by being a bad team, uh, especially if you didn't win your division. Uh, you don't just slide in because sometimes you can slide in a division winner at seven and nine or eight and eight. Right. Those wild card teams don't, they don't get that kind of good fortune. So they've got to be a little bit better than that. And the Seahawks are a good team that, you know, they, they've moved on from the Legion of Boom defensively. They're totally, a different team in terms of personnel defensively, but they still get stops. And again, offensively, they're they're really good at what they do, and that's you know, taking small bites from you. They got Doug Baldwin uh, out at receiver. They got a, they now have a running game uh, that they didn't have last season to take some of the pressure off Russell Wilson. So they'll be they'll be interesting to see uh, how they do Wild Card Weekend. Yes. So one of three teams possibly. Other than that, we know it's the 13th. We know it's the late slot. Yes. Okay. What's this week like ahead for the Saints, John? How do you see it? I don't know yet. The schedule hasn't been released. I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be some some rest and recuperation for bodies that are banged up. Uh, that's the, the whole benefit of gaining the bye week. Now, I do know practice-wise, uh, Coach Payton said earlier today, that it's pretty much going to be you know the Saints working on themselves. Uh, there are some issues that they have to correct, uh, not just from yesterday, but you know wasn't completely pleased with the previous three or four weeks, even though they got back on the winning track. But offensively, uh, there were some some issues to, to be solved because the Saints weren't able to – now, you don't expect to score 30-plus on the road in the NFL all the time. But the Saints were being held to less than 20. Now, they were able to win those games still, but 
they were not in sync offensively. So there are probably some things they want to be able to do to get back in sync offensively. One of the things that will help is now Ted Ginn Jr. is back. We saw what his impact meant uh, in, in the last home game, in the previous home game, excuse me, a 31-28 win against Pittsburgh where Ted Ginn caught five passes for 74 yards. Uh, he changes the way defenses have to play you because somebody better back up if Ted Ginn's on the, on the field. And that stretches you out a little bit, gives you a little bit more room to operate. So I think having him back in the fold will help solve maybe some of the issues that the Saints were seeing offensively. All right. There we go. Is there anybody that you'll watch for particularly close with regard to their availability heading into next week? Well, we know Andrews Pete left the game yesterday with a hand injury. That um, concerns you. Um, I think, you know, knock wood, that, 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 Teron Armstead might be ready for the playoff game. Certainly it will help if your left tackle, a pro bowler who's playing as well as he's played in his career, is back. If he can't, we know that Andrews Pete is capable of handling that position. Uh, but there is a domino effect. Then Will Clapp moves in at left guard or maybe Cameron Tom, and then, you know, that, that hinders your depth some. Got to see if if also if, if Jamon Bushrod is going to be available because he's been out for the last couple of weeks with that hamstring injury. So really the Saints – dinged up a little bit across the offensive line, and, and that's the centerpiece of this offense. As fabulous as Drew Brees is, and as good as Michael Thomas is, and as good as Alvin Kamara is, that offensive line is the anchor. Um, this season at points, it looked for a long stretch that the Saints had the best offensive line in the NFL. Uh, they got befell by some injuries, but having all those guys back certainly will help them do what they want to do offensively, but they need them all back, and they need them healthy. Yeah, all right. We've got lots of things to watch. It'll be fun watching everybody else duke it out this weekend, and then we'll know a lot more come Sunday night. Yeah, best thing to happen for the Saints, everybody just beat each other up and then you know get a, <laughs> get a team that's a little bit beat up coming into the Superdome and handle them. Senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com, John DeShazer with us on the Black and Blue Report. Also my partner on the Pelicans broadcast tonight. I'll see you at the Smoothie King Center to wrap up this homestand, sir. Yeah, let's see if we can get out of this thing 2 on one Yes. That'd be just fine with me. Yeah, that'll be okay. All right, Jim Eichenhofer, he'll write for Pelicans.com later on tonight. He'll be with us here in just a moment. We'll expand upon the Pelicans conversation. Talk a little Alfred Payton, too, in just a moment. All right, we took the moment to get Jim Eichenhofer into Studio B. Following John DeShazer today, we got the two senior writers for both Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Pretty good Monday for me to have these two great conversations James is just back from a shoot-around as the Pelicans prepare for Minnesota tonight and the end of a three-game homestand. Jim, first of all, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what will the Pelicans have in store for us here to end things on New Year's Eve, you think? I think the we could have a very nice uh, ending to 2018 if Alfred Pl Payton plays tonight. He didn't 100% commit to playing when he talked during shoot-around, but... It sounds like he's probably going to be out there. I think it's going to be a decision that is made uh, right before tip-off or maybe a couple hours before tip-off. Well, let's just assume he plays. Mm -hmm. He'll return tonight to a team that finds itself near the bottom of the Western Conference standings and a team that also went 11-20 and 20 in games that he has not played mm -hmm. this year. He missed I, – I didn't realize the number. I guess I'd kind of ignored it. This most recent st stint with the – the fractured finger and then the surgery. Mm -hmm. 22 games, Jim. 22 yeah. games they've been without Alfred mm. Payton. It went by fast. I mean, it doesn't seem like, like time-wise, it doesn't seem like he's been out that long, but they've played so many games during that span that you mentioned. And, I mean, obviously it's been costly to not have him on the court. What do you think they're getting back most in his return? You know, 
what's interesting, I've heard so many people say over the last few weeks things like one guy out of the lineup shouldn't make that big of a difference or how could point guard make that much of a difference on the team. But if you think about it, there's so many ways that point guard impacts the rest of the roster. I think late game execution is huge. If you have him, that helps. I think guys getting easier shots. I think we saw at the beginning of the season that Nico Miritich was getting wide open threes constantly, whereas later when Elford was out, he was taking a lot of 27 footers that were contested three-point shots. So obviously his percentage went down. Um, I think just the organization of the offense is, is affected greatly when you have somebody like Elford on the court. So I think AD's, it's going to be easier for AD because some of the 35, 40-point games that he has are easier games when you have a guy who's looking for you and has his head up and set you up. Also, Alfred, I mean, there's a long list. Alfred defensively, I think, will help. He's got good size, and he, he did a good job, I thought, of keeping people in front of him at the beginning of the season. And also, he finishes at the basket. So a lot of times with point guards, if they expect you to pass the whole time and they don't respect the drive, it's a little bit harder to you know run the offense than it is with Alfred. Alfred, when he puts his head down and decides to go to the basket, other teams know that he can get all the way there and dunk on somebody as he did in the Houston game or get layups. He's one of the best finishers in the league. So it's interesting to me that although his resume isn't extremely thick from the years that he played with Orlando, they didn't have a lot of team success there either. I did think in the small sample that he played here that you could see immediately the impact that it also has on him when he's playing with better players that compared to what he played with with Magic. It's a good point. It is a small sample size, but it's a good one. And then, I mean, the season started 4-0, all with him. Mm-hmm. If you take just the games he's played, I think it's 5-1 and overall. Yes. And one mm-hmm. of those games might be just a partial game, too. And one of, the only loss was a game that Anthony Davis didn't play in. So when Davis and Peyton have played, they haven't lost yet this wow. season. Wow. So, I didn't think about that. Sure. And you know, the other thing, too, I look at, just going back to last season, if you look at the record with Rondo when he played and when he didn't play, if you add that to what the records are this year with and without Peyton, I mean, there's a million different analytics that people look at. There's a million different stats. But as you mentioned when you said the record without him, I don't even know how much further you need to go beyond that to to see, like, the difference in the last, especially these last two seasons of point guard starting point guards playing starting point guards not playing just look at the impact it has on the team it's it's a wide divide at the moment certainly yeah i mean there's a there's enough of a gap between wins and losses that maybe you're right maybe that's where you stop the conversation mm-hmm. you're either winning or you're not right period it, it's 46 and 25 between rondo was 41 and 24 last year it's five and one this season with peyton so it's 46 and 25 when but when those guys have played and when they're not playing it's 18 and 35 or something like that. I mean, it's it's a massive chasm between yeah. those two two uh, situations. All right, so knock on wood, he stays healthy the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Still waiting on Nikola Mirotic. Maybe later this week, Jim, is what I understand. At some point here, stability has to come into play. On Saturday night, Alvin Gentry used his 14th different starting lineup, mm. and we're not even halfway through the season yet. Uh, that speaks to the lack of consistency not just in the way the team is played, but just to, just even in the five bodies you put out there to start a game. Sure. And even during the game, we saw I think we saw some lineups on Saturday against Houston in the second quarter, third quarter that we had never seen all season. But, I mean, you have to mix and match when you have constant changes to your starting lineup. It's impossible to avoid that there's going to be cases where um, that's happening. And I mean, we're almost in January. Most, most NBA teams, you don't see brand-new lineups this deep into the season, but – it's been 
you know, with the problems with the injuries and the problems with the depth, the bench not being productive, sometimes you're still seeing some experimenting and some different alterations to see what can work. Yeah. Let's bridge last week to this week in the sense that to end last week and start this week, you you have a three-game homestand, which I think all of us who cover the team were in agreement would be pretty crucial mm-hmm. as, as to far as to stabilize things heading into 2019. You won Friday in a nice way. You lost Saturday in a not nice way. Um, you have a chance to have a winning homestand by winning tonight. If you just take the two games played so far, Jim, are, are those labels okay? Was it a good win Friday? Was it was it a true win? Yeah. You kind of where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. And should we label Saturday as disappointing? I think so. I think the biggest disappointing part of it was just that it was it was a doable victory, that it was right there for the taking, and they weren't able to get it done. And in the context of the entire season, I think what you've seen so far on this homestand is just, again, treading water. You're not making progress because – you're, you know, you obviously you went one and one so far, um, and 500 isn't going to get the job done when you're you have a losing record overall. And there's, I think, 10 or 11 teams in the West. I'd have to look. They have winning records. So I mean, to me, it's about one win, one loss isn't going to get you anywhere right now. So um, the one thing that's interesting about this week going forward is that you're playing against. And granted, you're 16 and 21, so you can't look down on anybody but you're playing against three teams that have losing records this week. I would venture to say, if you looked at the entire schedule of the last 45 games of the season, that this is gonna ha- it might not happen again, where you're playing three teams in a row that are below 500, especially with how many teams in the West have good records. So, I mean, I, I think this is a, another you know major opportunity that you have to try to capitalize on and go in two and one or, or, or one and – I guess two and one would be okay, but going one and two is just going to be – a killer. You got to be able to beat some of these teams that are struggling. Yeah, you're four games out of the eighth spot going into tonight, as it stands right now. The good news is, is you're five games out of five. Mm. Um, you know, so you can make up that ground. But as you said, you can't do it by doing one step forward, one step back, right? Or one step forward, two steps back. Certainly would be the killer. Jim, here's the strange thing. Let's say you go three and zero this week, which I think is very doable mm-hmm. against Minnesota tonight. Brooklyn on Wednesday and Cleveland on Saturday. You would be one game off the pace that you were through 40 games a year ago. Mm. You were 20 and 20 through 40 last year. Mm. If you win all three this week, you're 19 and 21. Yeah. And you've survived missing Peyton all these games. Miritich, who just missed his eighth in a row. It, it mirrors last season in some ways. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to look at it. I think the one thing that is... I mean, that, that's glass half full. One thing that I've just been disappointed with was I thought after the way that they finished last season that this season they wouldn't require going 20-8 and eight over the last 28 games to get into the playoffs. But it looks like, you know, they're going to be in that situation again this year where um, they're going to have to get really hot in the second half of the season to uh, to get in. And, and, of course, it's not always – it's not only just about getting in but also trying to get – a as high of a seat as you can so you're not in an eight-seed positioning. Yeah. So. Lost to Minnesota in the first meeting by seven points. The Timberwolves come in here tonight at 16 and 19. Um, they've been shaky in their middle of a road trip right now. Jim, what else do you know about Minnesota heading into this one? I think they've been be- – they've definitely had some stretches lately where they've struggled, but they've been a lot better since the trade of Jimmy Butler. I think just the atmosphere around the team has improved a ton. I mean, we saw it firsthand because we were there the first game that uh, – 
Saritz and Covington played for the Timberwolves. So I feel like there's just a lot better feeling around the around the whole squad because it was I mean it was a mess. It was chaos. It was drama the first few weeks of the season before they finally made pulled the trigger on a trade. But I mean Derrick Rose is playing really well this year. I think that's been a a great story. And they've been they've been a really tough matchup for the Pelicans the last two years. I think they went four and zero last year against New Orleans, and then they won the first game obviously this year. So it's been a while since you got a win against Minnesota. Um, so we'll we'll see. I mean, this is I think this is an important game. I said I'm probably going to say the same thing I said before the Dallas game. This, I mean, this is really important. It's only the thirty somethingth game of the season, but I mean, you really got to get a win tonight. I agree with you. Totally agree with you. Uh, New Year's Eve, you got something nice planned to you know wear a tux tonight, <laughs> baby New Year outfit. What, what do you got for us, Jim? Wow. That's I like, I like that com- I like that combination of 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 a tux and the baby New Year and the baby New Year. <laughs> Have a sash and a top hat. Be perfect, perfect. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not sure yet what what the plan is. I mean, I usually don't even get out of the arena on nights like this until eleven something. So I don't know. By that point, I'm probably going to be way behind the uh, the race. So. I understand the phrase that you're using there, and it's well said, <laughs> to say the least. Are you a New Year's resolution kind of guy? Uh, not really. No. No, I, I've never really been big on that. I, I, I feel like I'm more of the person that thinks maybe I should get a maybe I should make a couple of New Year's resolutions on like December 28th, 29th, and then by the time New Year's comes, I just forget about it and don't do it. So, sound philosophy, <laughs> wisdom in your age, I think. Um, other than the Alfred Payton return, uh, anything on your on your notebook here on this Monday that you want to share or that we might be looking forward to from you this week at Pelicans.com. Um, not really. I mean, just, uh, just looking forward to this road trip also just to go into New York city and hopefully, uh, my, my, uh, road trip tag team partner, Daniel will get better. He's not feeling too good today, but hopefully we'll, we'll be, he'll be back in action. And, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, this is more of a personal thing, just going to the Northeast, uh, maybe being able to see this, some family, especially when we go to Cleveland. So this will be our last trip up the Northeast. That's right. We yep. yeah, we've knocked out a lot of them. Knocked, knocked them all out. D.C., Boston, the yep. Madison Square Garden trip is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cleveland will be done in this trip. If you want right. to call them the Northeast, sure. Fair. And yeah. Philadelphia is done too. This is it. I wouldn't mind if we started every season with like a ten game Northeast trip in October, so that we don't have to go there in January. But that's a whole other story. That is a whole other story. <laughs> the schedule in itself is a whole other story. Just ask the Utah Jazz too. Every time I think about our schedule, how tough it's been. One of those teams to keep an eye on here in the second half of the season is Utah, who will play a ton of home games. I don't know who they upset at the league office, but, man, (laughs) uh, they've got it coming back in their direction here shortly enough. Jim, great to have you. Hey, good to be here. Yes, and we'll welcome Daniel back with open arms as the team gets set to travel tomorrow. We wish him all the best. And we thank you as well for joining us on this Monday. Thanks again to John DeShazer as well. Got a good update on both the Pelicans and the Saints, a very busy week, obviously, as we've just talked about with Jim with the Pelicans, and the Saints will now be uh, getting set for the second round of the NFL playoffs, and we'll keep you updated on that throughout as well. Our next podcast is Wednesday. The Black and Blue Report will come to you from New York City as the Pelicans will be on the road for the next two. Uh, have yet to determine a guest. We'll come up with something special there since we'll be uh, in the nation's number one market, and we've got so much going on. Thanks again to, to uh, Mario Jerez, also helping us out today on Black and Blue Report. He'll be a part of our broadcast tonight from the Smoothie King Center. Don't forget, that's a 7 o'clock tip-off at Smoothie King Center in downtown New Orleans. A little New Year's Eve fun. Tickets are limited for tonight's game, but some still are available at Pelicans. 
I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report.